you got to love it. Not really, right? If you're anything like me, those types of, uh, those types of um, preaching, if you will call it that, make you squirm in your seat, you know? If you're ever flipping around, if you've got cable and uh, you're flipping around the channels and you run across a preacher and you're watching them and you're like, yeah, you're preaching, yeah, you're preaching, that's good. And then all of a sudden they go into that thing there and especially when they're praying like that and, uh, and, you just, and all of a sudden you start to go like, what? Wait a minute. What? Is that what, is that what we're here for? So it's kind of funny because we find ourselves caught in this place. Um, as followers of Jesus. Because on one hand, we'd love to never talk about money, I think, you know? I think a lot of churches never talk about money. And what's really funny about that is whenever I was a non-believer and I'd go to church, I'd tell Chris, all he wants is your money. All they talk about is money. I can tell you, I've been in church a long time and I've maybe heard like a handful of sermons on money. And so it's kind of funny uh, that that's the truth of the matter. From the outside, we're all about money. From the inside, we don't want to talk about it. We decided to do something a little different. We're going to talk about it. And we're going to talk about it just as uh, the kind of the plain on the nose of your face idea. We just want to talk about it like it is and not be afraid of it, not make it more than what it is, less than what it is. I'm not going to say, Jesus, the devil doesn't want you to say $1,000. <laughs> That's my favorite clip, by the way. We watched those all week this week, so they're kind of in my brain. Um, but uh, I want to tell you where we're at in the series. And before I do that, I want to mention something to you. If you picked up one of these on your way in, I'm glad you did. We need you to fill out the front of that contact card. Even if you're a, uh, a worshiper here, a regular attender, we want you to check that box that says regular attender and put your name and your email in there every week for us. And then if you're a first time or second timer, or if you just have an address correction, fill out the rest of that card for us. And if you're making a correction, check that box that says change and contact info so we can know how to get a hold of you if we need to. And... Uh, yeah, there's a little something on there about if you have you heard about us. There's some stuff on the back too, but the one that I'm bringing your attention right now is just comments and prayer requests. Uh, we are a praying church. We are a praying church, and uh, if you have a prayer request, you can put it on the back right there. And if that is a if that's a prayer you want to lift up to everybody, you can make that note there. If you want to be private, put it private next to it, and we'll still lift it in prayer among the staff and the leadership of our church. So uh, I'd encourage you to fill that out as you feel led today. Another thing I want to mention to you is on the back there it says notes. We said this last week. This is a conversation between you and God. We're not going to collect these at the end of the hour, uh, but I pray that you would engage. That's what Matt said earlier. We pray that, that uh, our prayer today for you is that not that you would come here and hear us, that you would come here and, uh, and um, you know, we're glad you're here. But more than anything else, we want you to go to that place that we have found in our own lives, that, that, that relationship with Jesus Christ, that place where you you can talk directly to God. And that's what that card is for more than anything else. It's not that you write down what the pastor said. It's not that you, you know, you can write notes to your neighbor if you want to. That's always a fun use of the card. But I want you to engage in a conversation with the living God today uh, as he leads you in that conversation. That's what that card is for. The whole backspace. So we're spending three weeks on money. So if you're with us for the first week, don't worry because in two weeks it'll be over and we'll be on to other things. Um, and this isn't even an annual pledge drive, so I can't say it's like that. We just want to spend some time talking about money right out of the gate. We are kind of a new beginning in some ways as a church family, and we want to talk about these things, what we're doing. And last week, we talked about wisdom from the Word. And I don't know about you last week with the Proverbs, but I had it coming out of my ears, you know, last week. We did a lot of Scripture last week in, this, in our session together. And um, lots of wisdom, though, and it was an amazing opportunity. And I, God changed my heart for the Proverbs, I have to admit. God changed my heart for the Proverbs. Um, 
The second week, this this week, we're going to talk about the tithe. What is the tithe? And we're going to talk about that just straight on, what it is. And then the next week, we're going to talk about the gospel we preach. And um, you might think, well, what does that got to do with money matters? But we're going to talk about that. What is the gospel we proclaim to those around us who are watching? Let us start today with some prayer uh, before God. Father God, we thank you for uh, gathering us here today. We pray that, uh, that in this time that you would speak into um, hardened hearts, that you, would, uh, that you would speak into closed minds. Uh, that you would speak into dead bones, Lord, that uh, we might come alive, and come alive not of our own power, but of the power of God, that, uh, that we might manifest the reality that you are speaking into, uh, into our lives these, this day. And uh, we give you this time. We've come here, gathered here, uh, to hear a word from you, to hear your voice, to know that you love us, and you are on uh, task with us. And uh, we just want to rest in you, and uh, we don't want you to bend to our will, Lord not why we're here. We're here for something kind of weird. We're here that we might be bent to your will. And that's our prayer today, Lord. So take this time, have your Holy Spirit among us and upon us, Lord, to instruct us and guide us and, and uh, draw us into new steps, into new ways that we can walk and be faithful to you. And we will always be caught with the uh, praise of our Father on our lips. Amen. So as we get started, um, I want to tell, you know, little something we're doing financial peace university with our small group and um, which is kind of a large small group but we're talking about some of these money matters you know and what's going on with money in our lives and i'm always intrigued about how uh how like i said last week money draws a crowd if you want to draw a crowd like do a get rich quick idea you know um but what's really funny and i want to talk about giving this week because what's really funny is if you want to burden somebody and you were talking about Oprah this week, and Oprah's been doing this to people. If you want to burden somebody, give them money and make them give it away, right? If you want to really mess with somebody, go up and give them like 20 bucks, or if you can afford it, a $100 bill, and say, here, give this to someone today. Man, their whole itinerary will change for the day. All of a sudden, walking through the grocery store, ain't walking through the grocery store, and where is it? Now we've got to look around. Who needs it? What are we doing? What are, man, it's, it's burns, you know, money burning a hole in your pocket, but you can't spend it on yourself. And you're burdened with this. I'll tell you where I've seen this. I'm so glad I'm not here this week because Nathan doesn't like when I do this. But our kids, we did a little thing where we, we were trying to teach them, teach them a tithing principle. So we have a decision ahead of time about what you're going to do um, in giving your money away. And we gave them this envelope that's called the giving envelope. So they have the giving envelope, the saving envelope, the spending envelope. So how they divide up their money. And you might say, well, that's terrible. I don't know. I think it's kind of fun. <laughs> You know, this idea that when they get a, a Christmas card from grandma, it's got five bucks in it. We have to break that into ones to put that in the right spot. And I can tell you, as a parent, I have watched Nathan just labor over his giving envelope. It's just, and he's wealthy. He's got so much money to give away, he can't see straight. Because he doesn't realize all he's been getting all this time, you see. That's one of the principles we're talking about. He didn't realize all he had. Because his, before we had him do that stuff, his money was always gone. He was always broke. But now that he's been putting this money and kind of intentionally looking to where his money's going, he's going, Dad, I don't know what to do. I don't know who to give my money to. And then he, I told somebody this already, but he tried to do this thing where he said, I'll give it to my friend so he can give it back to me. <laughs> and I said, no. It ha you have to give it to someone who can give you nothing back. Well, that's a taller order. Some, something you get nothing in return. You can't get favor you can't get a meal you can't get you can nothing back it's been fun to see how burdened he is to have to give something away well let's get into the word today we're going to start from deuteronomy right they're going to do a lot of first testament teaching today and learning today and we're going to start in deuteronomy chapter 12 
There's the verse right there, 1 through 28. We're going to roll through this pretty quickly, but I'll give you a minute to turn there. On your uh, Bibles and the seats, if you don't have a Bible with you, grab one of those off the end of the chair here. And uh, it's page 132. I want to talk about the context here a little bit as we get started. I'm going to try to quit walking so much here this morning. Uh, the Israelites were just leaving the desert. As a matter of fact, Mount Moses had gone up the mountain. And had come down the mountain, you see. He had just gotten the Ten Commandments from God. And he's coming down, and they're getting ready to enter the Promised Land. And as they go, Moses begins to tell the people what they have to do as they enter the Promised Land. These are some things you have to do. And we're going to talk in chapter 12 about one of the things that they were, were told they needed to do. I want to read this with you. You ready to go? Chapter 12, verse 1. These are the decrees and laws you must be careful to follow in the land that the Lord, as Yahweh, the God of your fathers, has given to you to possess. As long as you live in the land, destroy completely all the places on the high mountains and on the hills and under every spreading tree where the nations you are dispossessing worship their gods. Break down their altars, smash their sacred bones, and turn their Asherah poles, throw them into the fire. Cut down the idols of their gods and wipe out their names from those places. I want to stop right there for a second because... I think we read this stuff and we go, well, this is all for them. I, I want you to make a bit of a transition here when you're entering the promised land. I want to ask that question. What is the promised land that Jesus Christ is calling you into? Because this speaks to something fundamental in our lives, that when we are coming into the kingdom of heaven, we are coming into the kingdom of Jesus Christ, we have to do these things. And it's this idea that first, your first rule of order is to break down false gods that are standing before you. Verse 4, you must not worship the Lord your God in their way, but you are to seek the place where the Lord your God will choose from among all the tribes to put his name there for his dwelling. To that place you must go. Now I want you to point, point out something here. But you are to seek the place where the Lord, Yahweh, the one who speaks, your God, will choose from among your tribes, those are your peoples, to put his name and from there his dwelling. And th that place you must go. There bring your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes and your special gifts, what you have vowed to give and your freewill offerings, and the firstborn of your herds and your flocks. So you have a few things to give there, right? And there in the presence of the Lord your God, you and your family shall eat and rejoice in everything you have put your hand, in everything you put your hand to because the Lord, Yahweh, your God, has blessed you. Right away, we see something right here. What is it about? I was reading online. I was getting ready to do this thing on tithing. And some guy says, well, you got to eat your tithe. Right? And so he's talking about tithing. You know, do you preach tithing anymore? Because you got to eat your tithe. It's this idea that you take, and by the way, we're going to stop. i got to do something right quick because I forgot to do it a minute ago. Um, we need to talk about what a tithe is. Every place that appears in the Bible, tithe is not a verb. And I think in church we make it a verb. Right? I am tithing. That's okay. We do it with everything. I'm going to go Xerox this piece of paper, right? I'm Xeroxing the meeting minutes, right? I'm going to go Google my name. I'm going to be Googling you later, right? But it's a thing. It's not an action. We might use it. We might describe it that way. But every time in the text it talks about a tithe, it talks about it as a noun, you see, it's an, or an adjective. It's this thing that it defines a quantity. Tithe is a noun, not a verb. And it's literally one-tenth. 
And we're going to turn there right now, but in Ezekiel 45.11, I love Ezekiel 45.11 because it's the middle of all this describing, like, the weights and measures and stuff. And he says, such and such is a tithe of such and such, which means it is one-tenth. I mean, it's literally a tenth. So I want to talk about that right up front so we know we're talking about the tithes. Okay. So it says here, eat and rejoice in verse 7. Eat your tithe in the presence of the Lord and in the presence of those who are gathered with you. When you get together, share in all that God has put, in all ways God has blessed you and all the things that God has entrusted to you. Eat and rejoice. I'm going to read on here. Chapter, uh, verse 8. You are not to do as we do here today. You see everyone as he sees fits. Fit, since you have not yet reached the resting place and the inheritance the Lord your God is giving you, is giving you. But you will cross the Jordan and you will settle in the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. And he will give you rest from all of your enemies in that place around you so that you will live in safety. Then to the place the Lord your God will choose the dwelling for his name. That is where you're to bring everything that I've commanded you. Your burnt offerings and sacrifices, your tithes and your special gifts, and all the choice possessions that you have vowed to the Lord. And there rejoice before the Lord your God. You and your sons and your daughters and your men servants and your maidservants and the Levites from your towns, those who have no allotment or inheritance of their own, you're going to bring all that stuff in and have a party with your tithe. But be careful not to sacrifice burnt offerings anywhere you please. Offer them only in the place the Lord your God will choose in one of your tribes. And there observe everything I command you. And it goes on. We're going to stop with that, though, because it just goes on and on. But it's repeating this idea that you're going to take your tithes, you're going to take your offerings, you're going to take your free will offerings, and you're going to bring it to the place that the Lord your God has put his name on. That's why every week when we talk about the joy boxes being in the back, we say, if you're visiting with us, the joy boxes aren't for you. The joy boxes are those who have seen the name of the Lord, our God, who we are serving in this place. And we are bringing those things here. We're going to talk about bigger things than that. Bigger things than that. Turn with me, if you would, to Genesis 14. Genesis 14, 7 through 23. You know, we get a little reluctance with this stuff, right? And I've, I've, we've been talking about this, and, and uh, not just reluctance to talk about money, but then this whole New Testament, uh, First Testament the dichotomy we create. Well, that's the Old Testament, right? That's the old teaching, right? And so I want to do something here, just the way you've probably heard this before, but just a way to back up a little bit, because see, what we just heard was Moses giving the law. And you know, as Christians, we're allergic to the law, aren't we? The law is not for us. The law makes us itch. We're talking about it this morning in a small group. By the way, if you're not in a small group, uh, I would love for you to get involved in one of our family groups here, and you'll see on your card there's a spot that says, I want information about family groups. I hope that's still there. Yeah, right there. Uh, check that box. It's one of the places where we really put uh, feet to our work together. And so if you're not involved in a family group, I'd invite you to check that box, and we'll get you plugged into one. But uh, we had this great discussion about does the law apply, and how does that apply, and we kind of, you know, we bristle under it. Let's go back a ways. This guy, Abram, we started our journey a few months ago talking about his father. And Abram here in Genesis 14, check this out. Genesis 14, uh, verse 17. After Abram, look at the name here. It's not Abraham yet, it's Abram. After Abram returned from defeating, I'm not even going to say that one, right? Kendovolomer, Lofomer, okay. And the kings allied with him. The king of Sodom came out to meet him in the, king, in the valley of Sheva. That is, the king's valley. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, 
brought out bread and wine. And he was a priest of the Most High God. And he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. Blessed be God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. And then Abram gave him a tenth. The literal word is a tithe at that place. Gave him a tenth of everything. The king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the people and keep the goods for yourself. But Abram said this to the king of, Solomon, of Sodom, uh, I have raised my hand to the Lord, the most high God, creator of heaven and earth, and have taken an oath that I will accept nothing belonging to you, not even a thread or the thong of a sandal, so that you will never be able to say to me, I made Abram rich. Right? You see, what's happening here is Abram is following God. God has spoken to Abram. He's going to the promised land, the same promised land that Moses was coming down the mountain to talk about, and he's following this God that he has heard from, that he knows, and he's given success. And here comes the priest and this king out to say, man, you did good. And he, and he comes and he says, you know, I'm, I'm going to bring bread and wine to you. And they respond. His response is, I'm giving you a tenth of everything I just got. Before we get ahead, I want to turn real quick. Uh, you don't have to turn unless you want to. I'm going to turn to Mark. It says, in my Bible, it says, I put a little note that says Luke 8, 28. But I'm going to turn to Mark chapter 5. The first time anyone about Jesus Christ confesses him as the Son of God. Listen to this. It says, when he saw Jesus from a distance, this is the man possessed with demons, he ran and he fell on his knees in front of Jesus. And he shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want from me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Swear to God that you will not torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of the man, you evil spirit. It's amazing to me that the first one to profess Jesus as the Son of God is a demon. Turn back. Genesis chapter 14. Abram gives a tithe to the Most High God. But I want you to look at what he says to the king. He says here at the very end. 23. 22, let's back up. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord, the most high, the God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and have taken an oath that I will accept nothing belonging to you, right? Not even a thread or throng of a sandal, so that you will never be able to say to me, I made Abram rich. You see what happened there? Abram's saying, God is providing for me. And the way that Abram expressed that back to this king is, here's a tenth of everything God has given me because there is more to come and it doesn't matter. And this king says, take it. You're going to need it for the journey. He says, no, I don't ever want you to say to me, I have made you rich. Now you're going to say, so what, man? This is old. This is, and I love this because this is pre-covenantal. God has not made, God's going to make the promises to Abram coming up. Look, in verse 15, chapter 15, it says, God's covenant with Abram. That's when he becomes Abraham. Abram is being faithful to this idea that you do not make wealth. You do not make me rich. I'll tell you where I've seen this really powerfully in my life. And people don't know how to deal with it. If you go and you negotiate with your boss for your salary, and you pray over that, and you say, man, whatever God, you don't tell your boss whatever God lays in your heart, but you say, whatever God lays in your heart is what I'm going to do. That's okay. I don't ever want anyone to be able to say, I made Bill Dempsey rich. 
This is Abram's response. Don't, don't think for a minute, king of Sodom, that you're the one that's giving me wealth. It gives us some kind of a parameter, some kind of a way. And I tell you what, it's so funny. One time I was negotiating a salary with one of my bosses, and I said, and uh, he had called with a number, and I said, man, that's, that's a lot less than I thought it was going to be. And he goes, well, I, I, you know, that's all we can do. And I said, I tell you what, uh, call me back, and whatever number you say is what we'll do. Just, just think about it a little more, call me back. And I, I, whatever it is you say, I, I'm going to do. And I prayed, and I said, I pray, oh, God, you know, give me, you know, let me. And, and you know, he called back, and he says, um, well, here's the new number. And I said, uh, okay. And he goes, so you'll take it? And I said, I told you I would. I was convicted in that moment. Whatever you came back with. Do we not believe we're following the God, the living God, the God who can do all things? And uh, you rest in that spot, man, everything changes. He got a little weirded out by that. Okay. He could have said the same number. It wouldn't matter to me. God is bringing the blessing, and Abram knows it already. All right, let's go ahead. Um, turn to Second Chronicles 31. Second Chronicles 31. And what are the verses? 2 through 10. Contributions for worship. Hezekiah assigned the priests and the Levites the divisions. Each of them, according to their duties as priests or Levites, to offer burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, to minister, to give thanks, to, and to sing praises at the gates of the Lord's dwelling. That's the Lord's house, Yahweh's house. The king contributed from his own possessions for the morning and the evening burnt offerings and for the burnt offerings on the Sabbaths, new moons, and appointed feasts as written in the law of the Lord. That would be Moses' law, right? He ordered the people living in Jerusalem to give the portion due to the priests and the Levites so they could devote themselves uh, unto the law of the Lord. Now, I got to stop here because I was told, Matt, I was reading this this week, you know, and, the, oh, you know, God lets nobody off the hook because this is the same people that, that when Jesus comes, he says, you, fair, you law, uh, the lawyers, right? You law, uh, what were the scribes? Scribes and Pharisees, the people who are setting traps. These were the ones that God had set this aside for. So it's a hard thing then to be a pastor. You see? And Matt said, well, yeah, we've got to be really careful, man. That's a slippery slope. To be those, you can't be those people because those people were against what Jesus was saying. But yet here we have it. Set, the, set it aside for those who devote themselves to the law of the Lord. And as soon as uh, the order went out, Israelites generously gave the first fruits of their grain, new wine, oil, and honey, and all the fields had produced. They brought a great amount of tithe of everything. And I want to stop here again and say something else about tithe, right? I was trying to think of a way to say, like, bring your best to God, because I was telling Matt early on with this whole idea of tithing, I think we kind of get off the hook a little easy, because we all deal in, like, American currency usually, right? And so I thought, you know, and Jesus is the unblemished lamb, offered once and for all a sacrifice, we need to pick your best, your best. The best we have is Jesus. But I wanted to kind of put this into a little equation that maybe we could deal with. And so I don't know if we have any car lovers here, but if we're in America, we probably have a few, right? And I thought, here was the, here was the picture of what you had to bring to the house of the Lord. Your first, your best, you had to bring it into the house of the Lord. Say you have a garage with 10 Corvettes in it. Huh? I've seen these kind of deals. And say you're going through there, and you got, you know, this one's cool, man. That one's fast, and this one's got, this is the ZR or whatever, you know. You get to, you know this one's the collector's, you know. But you get to that one. That even in the garage with the other nine, it's got the dust cover on it, even though it's indoors. 
you know. Uh, you got it jacked up on blocks so the tires don't touch the ground, <laughs> you know. You guys don't know people like that, do you? I know a guy like that. I know a guy that jacked his car up so his tires don't touch the ground. Here it is. And you see, the problem for uh, the Israelites is, see, that was the one that God wanted. You can have the other nine. He wants that one. That one, you say, no, 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 no. We talked about this in a small group this morning. No, Lord, not that one. Take any of the other ones. Don't take that one. They had to bring that one to the house of the Lord. As soon as the order went out, the Israelites generously gave the first fruits of their grain, new wine, oil, and honey. Uh, and the, the, all the fields were in verse 5. They brought a great amount, a tithe of everything. They brought one-tenth of everything that God had given them. There is the key. And the men of Israel and Judah who lived in the towns of Judah also brought a tithe of their herds and their flocks and a tithe of the holy things dedicated unto the Lord uh, their God. And they piled them up in heaps. They began doing this in the third month, and they finished in the seventh. When Hezekiah and his officials came and saw the heaps, they praised the Lord and blessed his people Israel. Hezekiah asked the priests and Levites about the heaps, and Azariah, the chief priest from the family of Zadok, these names are awesome, uh, answered, since the people began to bring their contributions to the temple of the Lord, we have had enough to eat and plenty to spare because the Lord has blessed his people. Hmm. And this great amount is left over. Talking about the tithe, something happened when the Israelites took it seriously. Something happened that the God of abundance, the God who had been making all people rich, the God that Abram said, don't think you're making me rich because it's not you. That God has provided enough that when we go and just give a tithe, it's way more than we need. Way more than we need. It's so much that they have to build storehouses for it. Way more than we need. I, I, I want to say a few things about this, though, you see. I don't think that the reason that people have a hard time tithing uh, to the local church, to the local house where the Lord has put his name, is the problem that people have. I think by our natures, we're selfish, right? And I'm not saying, but here's what I want to challenge you to do, you see. Because I want to get us out of the equation. Because I don't want you to think Family Bible Church wants your money. Because guess what? We don't need your money. We don't need your money. Because I'll tell you why. The Lord is working among us. God will provide all that we need, an abundance of what we need, and we don't have to worry about it. But what I want you to do is ask the question, can you imagine letting go of a tenth? Take the church out of the equation. I don't even believe in church. You guys are a bunch of hypocrites. Great. Give it to somebody else who's not a hypocrite. Find somebody who's not a hypocrite and give it away. How dare you? Give it away. You see, what you'll find isn't, it's not that the church is the issue. It's not that Jesus Christ is the issue. It's not that there's hypocrites that's the issue. It's that you can't let go of anything that God has given you so generously. You can't let it go. Give it away. I was reading this book. I'm reading this book right now. It's called The Year of Living Biblically. It's written by a, a non-believing Jew, which is always a great read. So if you're going to check out a book, read a book by a non-believing Jew. And, 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 you know, it was this amazing look. And he's, he reads the tithe. He has to keep the law literally for a year. And he says, he goes on this website where he finds you can give money to all kinds of charities. They've been checked out, double-checked, auditors, everyone's all legit. There's, like, very little overhead. It's the best charities you can give to. He goes to the website to give his tithe. And as he sits there with the numbers blinking in front of him and his finger on the mouse to click donate, he can't do it. 
he starts to negotiate. 10% so much. 10% so much. I'll do five to start. Click. 5% of his annual income is going like that. And he says, all of a sudden, he gets it. It's something you have to learn to let go of. He was holding it so close. He had to learn to let go. I'm not to the end of the book, so I don't know what happens with this non-believing Jewish man. But I'll continue to read through it. But I love the journey with him as he struggled, a very human struggle, with giving away one-tenth of all that you have been blessed with. I want to say, you know, this, uh, we're going to work here at Family Bible Church on the assumption that God is compulsing the givers. And I guarantee you this, folks. Those who are called here to leadership will work with them whenever we've been given. And if it's way too much, we'll find a way to use way too much. And if it's way too little, we'll find a way to work with way too little. We are not making our response to the living God contingent upon how much money we have in the bank. We are following the living God. Now I want to stop and I want to say that I have I've sat where you sat, right? And I, I probably sat where you sat in a more, maybe more profound way because I sat there as a non-believer, right? And, and maybe you're a non-believer here today. Praise God, because if you keep showing up, this living God will speak into your heart like he's spoken to my heart. You don't need some preacher to preach into the kingdom of God. You don't need someone to sit and say a certain prayer with you or say certain words because we are following a God who speaks. We are following a God not made of wood or stone. And so my hope my soul song for you is that you would just hear that voice and respond to the living God and everything will change. And I want to tell you as my testimony to you, it took me two weeks to admit that to anybody, that the living God had spoken to my heart. Two weeks before I could even say it to anybody. I couldn't believe it myself. You know? So you're talking to a hard-hearted man who God changed. But God spoke in my heart first about the living God, about Jesus who came in to die for my sins. And all this stuff that I had heard that I had tuned out my whole life became a living word, a new word, a new revelation that changed everything. And then one of my first responses was, we got a tithe. You know, if you're, by the way, if you're a spouse who's been praying for your husband to come to faith, be careful what you pray for. Because I think, you can ask Chris this later, but I think once, once I was converted, I was like, I was like, woo, gone, you know? And she's going, wait, 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 we gotta, I don't know, this ain't what I signed up for, you know? It's the idea of having a tiger by the tail, but the truth is I'm not the tiger, you see, God's the tiger, and I'm just hanging on. I'm just going for the ride, you see? And nothing matters. I want to talk to you about what, what happened with me. The first thing I thought about tithing was this, it's easy math. You can figure 10% of anything, can't you? Right now, what's 10% of $1,000? Yeah, $100. What's, uh, maybe we can, right? What's 10% of, what's 10% of a dollar? 10 cents. What's 10% of a million dollars? You see how easy that is? It's so easy. The math is easy. I kid you not, that's one of the reasons I thought, well, that makes a lot of sense to me. This is why I started. I felt led to give. It's easy math. 10%. Uh, I, I, the other thing I want is it put the whole net and gross conversation in perspective. Have you had that conversation with your spouse yet? Are we supposed to tie 10% of our net or our gross? <laughs> we had that conversation. And I said, well, you know what? When we get to, the, when we get to meet Jesus face to face, we'll ask him. Oops. We thought you meant net. No. I, I said, let's err on the side of gracefulness and say gross. Let's say if God's given us $40,000 a year, we're going to give away 4000 Who cares? Right off the bat. 
Learn to live on the rest. How about that for a strategy? Net or gross? Sound like the government asking questions about what we should do. Nickel and diamond, the living God. And offered a baby step toward trusting God with more. You see, I think that this was just one of those things you make it up front, bam, it's done. And then all of a sudden you get in the habit of just doing that, doing that, doing that. And like I said, if you want to give it here, give it somewhere. But do it because you will learn to trust God more. You will learn that 90% is way more than you need. Here's the next. I, it's proportionally equitable. That's a pretty fancy talk, right? It's proportionally equitable to give a tithe. That means, here's the kicker, and this was great whenever I quit my job to go to school to be a pastor, is that, you know what my tithe was when I quit my job to go to school to be a pastor? Zero. Because <laughs> that's one of my bosses at one of my accounting firms downtown said, well, Bill, 10% of nothing is nothing. That's right. 10% of nothing is nothing. You see, it rises and it falls. It ebbs and it flows with the realities of your life, but it's always equitable for everyone. It's always the same. You, you know, I hear this out of people. Well, when I get enough money, I'm going to give some away. When I get enough money, I'm going to give some away. You know what the problem with that is? You never get enough money. You never get enough money to care about anybody else because you always have a little more that you want, right? It's the sensational appetite of our heart. It's never enough. But you know, if you make that decision, you can be a 10-year-old child and realize, I just got... $10, I can give one away. It's the same thing as a millionaire saying, I'm going to give away $100,000 this year. whoop de do right? It's the same thing. You don't think that feels the same way to that 10-year-old child? You don't think that feels the same way to every person? It feels the same way. The excuses go out the door. When I get enough, I'll give some away. The other thing I realized, and this is what I told my brother-in-law when we were talking about it, I said, I get a 90% commission cut on God's blessings. If you're in a commission sales like business, that's a heck of a cut. 90% of everything I have, I get to keep. What is that about? But see, that's what I thought going in. But what happened and what I learned, and this is why my prayer for you today, is that you would tithe somewhere. Give a tenth away somewhere. And, you know, someone said, should we start small? No, start at 10%. Just do it. And do it somewhere. You don't have to do it here. Do it somewhere. But give it away. Because what you will start to see is your eyes will be opened. And you will see how much you have. Like my son. How much I get every year. What have I been doing with all this that God's given me? you will start to have eyes to see the abundance in which you're living. Something else I learned while tithing was this. It's a start. It's a place to start. We have this conversation, you know, and people say, well, the New Testament doesn't teach a tithe. I said, no, the New Testament teaches everything. <laughs> everything. You realize, they talk about baby steps this morning. It's a baby step. Try me. Test me out. See if you can let go of this stuff enough to grasp on to true life. It's a place to start. What you will find is that you become a generous person. 
You see, that's why I think the problem is with the people who, folks who say, when I get more money, I'll give it away. You see, you become generous right now. It's not some pie in the sky by and by when I get there, when I'm retired, whenever I got extra, whenever I this. No, it's right now. And all of a sudden, you're giving 10% off the top, and you turn around, and someone says, man, I got this need. And you go, here, I don't care, because it's not mine anyway. Here, take it. Take it from me. Here it is. And you become ludicrously generous. Crazy generous. And you know what happens? You realize you don't want for anything. I'll tell you something that happened to me. <laughs> we had someone doing our taxes for us. And I do this with fear and trepidation because I don't want anybody to know what goes on. But we had this lady who's a non-believer doing our taxes for us. And she's a friend of the family. And she said to me, do you know how much money you gave away last year? And I said, no. You know, who cares? And she said, I don't know how you can even survive. My husband and I make way more than that. We're going to make a file bankruptcy. How do you survive? What a great way to witness in the most unexpected places. But if God never uses it to witness anybody, that's not the point. It's about your heart and the way you're responding to the living God. And the last thing, this New Testament principle that it's all God's anyway, it becomes into clear focus. You get it. You start to see it. It's all God's anyway. You know what happens when you look at your brother, your sister who's down and out? You can't judge anymore because you understand that it's all God's anyway. And if anyone is sinning, when someone is laying in the street without a house to sleep in, it's you because you have the means to make a difference and you won't. So you have new eyes to see the kingdom of God. But yet we find ourselves saying, well, you ought to do something. Get out of the ditch. And God's sitting there watching us going, uh-huh. Interesting approach. I want to read this last uh, scripture uh, together. It's uh, Deuteronomy chapter 26. We're going to go back to Deuteronomy now. And uh, give you a minute to turn there. Deuteronomy 26. One of the greatest, great confessions about tithing, about bringing uh, an offering. Deuteronomy 26, verse 1 through 11. It says, when you have entered the land, the Lord has, your God has given you as an inheritance. And you have taken possession of it and you have settled in it. Take some of the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil. And uh, let's go again. When you have entered the land, the Lord your God has given you as an inheritance, you see, and have taken possession of it and, as an inheritance and have taken possession of it and settled in it. Take some of the first fruits of all that you produce in the soil of the land the Lord your God is giving you and put them in a basket. Okay, so you get what's happening here. They're just going to take all their stuff and put it in a basket. So this is the way we should do this, right? And then go to the place the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name and say to the priests in the office at that time, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the land the Lord swore to our forefathers to give us. And the priest shall take the basket from your hand and set it down in front of the altar of the Lord your God. And then you will declare before the Lord your God, my father was a wandering Aramean and he went down 
into Egypt with a few people. And he lived there and became a great nation, powerful and numerous. But the Egyptians mistreated us and made us suffer, putting us to hard labor. And then we cried out to the Lord, the God of our fathers. And the Lord heard our voice and saw our misery, our toil, and our oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and a miraculous signs and wonders. And he brought us to this place and gave us this land, a land that's flowing with milk and honey. And I now bring the first fruits of the soil that you, O oh God, have given me. You place the basket before the Lord your God and you bow down before him. And you and the Levites and the aliens among you will all rejoice in the good things the Lord your God has given you and given your household. You see, that's all of our story. That's the question. You know, we ask that question, is this, a, is this a First Testament thing? Is this a New Testament thing? This is a thing. God's making promises that he fulfills. He brings us to the land of plenty. He brings us into the land of good. He brings us into the land of milk and honey. He brings us to the place where there's so much stuff. And we come up and we lay it down and as a witness to everyone. You know, we were talking about this. Someone said, you know, what's worship about? And someone said, I find this is worshipful to do this. We have these weird things called joy boxes that we do here. And someone says, you should pass the plate because you might get more that way. We don't want more. We want you to make an act of worship before God and go and put your offerings as a... As a uh, a witness, but not today. Not today. I want you to hear this word. My father was a wandering Aramean. You see, it remembers this time of oppression in your life. It remembers this time when you had no hope. This time before you knew Jesus. And I don't want you to miss the story. You see, I don't want you to miss the story. Because this is a response to what God has already done. This is a response to what God has already done in your life. And so I want to say, first of all, for those of you who are still wandering in the wilderness, for those of you who are still filled with misery, filled with toil, filled with oppression, pushed down, beat down, can't get up, the God of all creation cares about you. And if you turn in your moment of misery and you cry out to the Lord your God, he will hear you and he will deliver you from your oppression. Do you hear what I'm saying? You will be saved. In that moment. See, I remember the misery. I remember the oppression. I remember the slavery. I remember how I had no hope and I had no future. And I remember that God humbled me in that moment and got me on my knees. And, and, and it wasn't, there wasn't a witness around, man. There wasn't a witness around. And I'm not saying that's the way to do it. That's how God chose to do it with me. But when that moment happened, I had to get right before God, the living God, because he is in charge and you have been lying to yourself. Respond today to the living word of God. And then for those of us who trust Christ, let us acknowledge through our generosity that we actually believe he is delivering us into the kingdom of heaven. And that's all I'm saying to you. Because my brother-in-law, we have great conversations, and, and you know, he said, uh, 
Isn't it funny how we trust God with our entire thing, our entire life, all our salvation, but we don't trust him with the little things of our life. Sometimes whenever I'm praying, I feel like I might be bothering God. You ever feel that way? Oh, I don't mean to bother you with this, Lord. You know, we had a little minor catastrophe this week at our house, and I, I had to go spend some time in prayer about it. I said, oh, this seems a little silly to bring it before you, Lord, but I'm overwhelmed right now. I need you to help me with this. You see, God cares about everything. Everything. So today, the invitation is thus. Respond to the living God. That's, that's where you are. And um, if you were following the living God, let it, let it come out. Let it show, you know. And um, don't give it to us. Just give it away.